microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. This episode brought to you by Studio.com. Studio headphones and Bluetooth headsets. Go to studio.com, S-U-D-I-O dot com. Enter promo code Wookie for 15% off your entire purchase. episode of Wookiee Radio. It is the Smugglers 3. Ken, Derek, myself, Mike. How's everyone doing? All right. Not bad. I'm slow. I'm finally getting over a cold that I picked up earlier this week, which is funny because it finally got hot here and I picked up a cold. (laughs) (laughs) How ironic. Mm -hmm. Like that kind of stuff happens to me all the time. Yeah, it's it's just a change in the weather. We went from averaging in the 60s to averaging in the upper 80s within like Mm -hmm. a week and a half. Yeah, easy to do. Um, well, before we get into things, because we got a lot to cover, we're going to cover uh, Solo. I think I think we're going to spoil it. Just a little. So be forewarned. If you haven't seen Solo, go watch Solo, then come back. Uh, but we'll tell you when we start the spoils. Um, but beforehand, check out WookieRadio.net. Uh, check out our affiliates, Ripped Apparel, Superhero Stuff, TV Store Online, Fan Chest, which you get that Fan Chest box for Father's Day for your dad. Uh, superhero stuff. They have a great Father's Day, two different options. The I Like You and I Love You editions of their Father's Day superhero stuff. Um, of the hero box from superhero stuff. Uh, Loot Crate, superhero stuff, Ripped Apparel, TV Store Online. Who am I missing? I think that's everything. And then if you listen to Rebel Force Radio and you heard Jason talk about Ken's Porg, it's what's for dinner t-shirt and wondering, where can I get that? Click shop or click store on the in the menu bar. Take you to our T Public st- store where you can get shirts for Weeby Geeks, Mighty Marvel Geeks, Wookie Radio, including that poor gets what's for dinner. So I gotta go back and listen to the to that episode so I can hear what Jason says about your shirt. Yeah, they thought it was cool. <laughs> Just that quick. Oh, that's a cool shirt. Question. Get out of here. Kinda, yeah. But I well, no, I was up there to actually ask a question. So they actually <laughs> set it up cool so they um they uh they had Jason and Jimmy Mac and uh, Pete Nagel, who's actually with their original co-host with Jason, were on the stage, and they had a microphone set up kind of like you would in a panel room. Right. And it was basically a free-for-all, whoever comes up to the mic and asks a question or whatever. Okay. So nice. We'll get into what I asked them because I'm, it's going to be a good discussion for us, too. Yeah. So mm. now's that time. Put the show on pause if you have not seen the movie yet because if you've not seen the movie yet and you're listening to us what are you doing we can take a back seat for a little bit go watch solo like i said just hit pause come back to <laughs> us because we don't need you sounding like this listening to this show before you see the movie because i'm i'm sorry i like still having my arms attached to my body i don't know i've always wondered what mine would look like ripped off well, you find out in this movie what it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, if that you... That is true. But we also, if you decide to listen to this sh- episode before seeing Solo, we don't want to hear any of this either. <laughs> so, uh, whining not allowed. Mm-hmm. All right? <laughs> All right. So, um, I'm going to say, before we get into this... I I had a chat with Jimmy Mack on Weeby Geeks back, oh my God, February 14th, 2013, and we talked briefly about um, about the movies, and I, I mean, we talked about a couple of different things, and we went into a Yoda film. I'm just going to pull out, or I have pulled out a brief segment that just pertains to Solo that we talked about, so I want to play that real quick to kind of help set us up. Yeah. Now... There has been a lot of big news recently about the new films coming out. 
And right. you know, say films instead of film because we already know seven, eight, and nine, but we also mm-hmm. know two of uh, the potential of two, if not three, solo films. Right now, again, this is 2013, five years ago. And of course, I just said solo films, meaning um, I think I might explain myself here in a minute, but solo films, the, the Star Wars story films, Rogue One, the standalones. So uh, we know about... Be specific when you say solo films. <laughs> well, you could be misleading one, people with a statement like that. Or maybe you're hitting the nail right on the head. Well, one is... Um, the what Jimmy's comment coming back may be true. And we'll get into that a little further. I know there's been the talk of a young Han Solo movie that's right. supposed to take place between uh, Sith and A New Hope. Right. Uh, we know there's talk of a Boba Fett movie, and there's the the on again, off again rumor of the Yoda film. Right. Um, well, I think for me, anything Star Wars, I'm there. Um, now on the young Han Solo movie, what do you what do you envision for that, or what would you like to see come out of that? Well, I would like to see Han go on his own hero's journey, um, see how he rose from what I would imagine the story behind Han Solo is that he he, uh, grew up in poverty and uh, maybe he lived on the streets or whatever as a child begging for scraps. I would like to see him then heed the call to adventure and go out on his own adventure and learn who he is along the way and hook up with dudes like Lando and Chewie and maybe bump into a Boba Fett along the way, what have you. All the things that you have in your imagination about the backstory of Han Solo, I would, right. you know, I would think that's prime material to be put up on the silver screen. I think that expanded universe stuff has been cool, but it doesn't necessarily need to be mined to make a successful origin of Han Solo's story, you know, origin, if you will. Right. Um, I'd like to see how he became the dude he was when we meet him in the cantina for the first time because he clearly has a history. He's clearly experienced by that point, and he's not afraid to brag about it. True. I'd like to see him, uh, you know, um, uh, make the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. Yeah, I'd like I, to see- I, I brought that up last week. Um, some of the stuff I would love to see. I would love to see you know, the, the tail end of his time at the Imperial Academy and yeah, what, yeah. what led him to, to leave. You know, the Castle Run, him winning the Falcon from Lando, him becoming the uh, recipient of Chewbacca's life debt. Or how about him working for Jabba the Hutt and dealing with guys like Greedo, you know, (laughs) these guys behind the scenes that, you know, eventually uh, he comes to confront when he gets older. But, you know, they all work together at one point. Well, I, th- I think the big thing with, with the Han Solo that I think everyone's going to want to see, everyone hears about you know, doing the Kessel Run in, in 12 parsecs. Let's see it. Why was it so special? Bring it to the screen so we can see why that's such a big deal. Imagine how exciting that would be, you know, to I, think. <laughs> Fans I, would just be absolutely, you know, head over heels. I would be. Now, other fans aren't. Eh. I know it was. It was. It was fulfill a, a satisfaction I've been I've been lingering for. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So, so yeah. Um well we did get the Kessel run. Mm-hmm. Uh I did get his time at the tail end of the academy, so to speak. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. I mean we don't see why he was kicked out of the academy from flight school, but it's brought up. Well, yeah, he says straight up why, though. He says because he had a problem with authority. Mm-hmm. No big surprise there. Um, we did see him win the Falcon. Um, we do see him supposedly getting the life debt from Chewie to some extent. Um, yeah. For speculation well, from five years ago to, to now? Yeah. Uh, pretty... We'll get into the life debt stuff here in a little bit. But I, 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 I think... I think you guys I, are pretty good on it, though. We we were. I think we were fairly in tune. Well, the nice thing with this movie, this they wrote this movie, and you could tell that um, they wrote this movie. Basically, they didn't throw any major surprises or major twists and turns. I mean, they they flesh out the story that had already been outlined and um had, that had been bookmarked through the history of the books and everything else. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically, the backstory we knew is there. We just now know the details. Right. Right. Until you get to the third act of the movie. Well, here's the other great thing. Then they flipped it on its ear. The, f- yeah. the fans 
complain there's that the EU is not canon. Well, a good chunk in this movie was EU. Mm-hmm. That is now canon. Mm-hmm. The entire movie was EU because none of this was in the actual movies. And then all, and then all of this is what the fanboys were wanting, and most of them aren't aren't going to see it because they've boycotted the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So now, so now they're not going to know. It's, it's, unless they hear word of mouth and go reading spoiler posts and whatnot, they're not going to realize. Oh, they finally gave us our EU. Yeah. If you wanna, I'm. Uh, I've been so frustrated with the fanboys. They're not fanboys. They're trolls. No. They're, yeah, and they're not Star Wars fans. And uh, if you want to hear my real feelings about it, listen to my Keepers of the Fringe podcast, where me and my me and my buddy Chris uh, kind of went on a little rant, <laughs> a little yeah. rant about it. Um, little, little is understatement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know we were uh, Boba we, Doll. <laughs> Actually, he's right behind me. Um, See, we I, were... I listen. Yes, I appreciate that. It's what, it's what I listen to when I'm mowing the lawn. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Well, then you must have heard the one time a couple weeks ago when we gave you a shout out. Yep. Um, <laughs> you personally. <laughs> um, Actually, no. Anyway, I, did, so... I missed that one. Was it a good or a bad shout out? No, it's good. We just kept saying, hi, Mike. <laughs> Every time we talked about our, listen- our listeners, we were like, hi, Mike. <laughs> um. But yeah, we were just we were just frustrated because we came out of solo enjoying it, mm-hmm. like really enjoying the movie. And then all this whining and moaning and everything yeah. from these, you know, pseudo Star Wars fans. I'm just like I'm tired of it. Well, I- well at, at what point cuz when George Lucas made this originally, these movies were originally just fun to watch. They're good fun popcorn summer flicks. Right. At what point did they become life and death? I know. This movie, it's a movie being fun. Some of the critics and stuff seems like they throw that out there as a bad word and stuff and um and other places have talked about this too, but What's wrong with a movie just being fun? This movie was a blast to sit there and go through. Yeah. Well, I mean, I had a great time the whole time. There was I was laughing out loud at parts. There's parts that bring it down. It's a roller coaster ride. It goes right through it. Yeah. When, when it when did it become a life and death? I think when the prequels came out. Yeah. yeah. It's like this is a galaxy far, far away. This is not real life. No. Okay. This is a movie. It's sit down, sit down for your two hours and fifteen minutes and enjoy the ride. Yeah. Forget about life for a while. Watch what's going on on the screen and then have a good time and then go away. That's fine. Cause yeah. you know what? It actually it is a good time. Well, you know, there are, there are the fans out there who I get it. You're EU purist. You want the EU back as canon, which again, it um, never was. Steve from Roco Depot is probably going to go. I wish you guys would get off this hang up as well. As Derek just said, EU canon is not canon. Never was. Um, I mean, at least they were somewhat consistent in keeping backstories of Solo together. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a lot of stories that weren't consistent involving characters in, in similar events. And really, until you got after the prequels and they got started doing the prequel novels, um, until you got to there, most of the stories were pretty consistent. Anything that all the stuff that they written after Return of the Jedi for a long time stayed pretty consistent. Right. But then um, what after you got the prequels and all and you're popping out two or three books a year, it's a lot harder to keep track of that. Yeah. Hence why when an opportunity start fresh, it became easier to keep track of. Exactly. Right. And all that stuff's still there, obviously, because we've seen it come in here. We've seen it come into Rebels. We've seen it come into all over the place. Well, and, and is there like if you go to Utini and use the code Chewy, save 15 percent off there, especially if you get the smugglers box. Of the Smuggler's Bag, which is books that we picked out, mm-hmm. which is got some canon and some legend stuff in it. Um, the, the, the the trade paperbacks are all canon. The actual novels are all legend, but they're stories that we felt were great. But neither here or there, you're getting EU elements. I mean, there I know there's fans and there's other podcasts who they don't like this. They don't like that. and very adamant about it. Okay, then I'm not going to say you're not a Star Wars fan because there's stuff in Star Wars you do love. And that's awesome. 
But don't go criticizing people. Oh, you like The Last Jedi? You're a moron. You're an idiot. No. How I approach the fandom, how Ken approaches the fandom, how Derek approaches the fandom in the movies is totally different than you. Mm-hmm. While while we were highly critical of Last Jedi, I think we all agreed. The three of us agreed. Great movie. There were elements we all felt could have gone away and never been in the film at all. But overall, it still was a good Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. To me, Solo is better than Last Jedi. It was a more fun ride. Last Jedi was a lot heavier. It was a lot um, to yeah. process with The Last Jedi. Now, I am not prepared to say that. Let's see. What was that? Dark. I'm not prepared to say that that I liked Solo better than Last Jedi. Yeah. I don't know if I liked it better, but I, I, it, was more, it was a more fun ride. It was, yes. Uh, like I said, Jedi, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. This And it was a nice, uh, nice change of pace after Last Jedi. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Kind of like... Uh, the Marvel movies where we just had, you know, we just had Black Panther. We just had Infinity War. Both were kind of heavy movies, but now we're going to have Ant-Man and the Wasp. And Which that's looks gonna great. Be a, yes. And it's, that's just going to be a fun movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So kind of like. And, and that's you know, what that's what made Ant-Man great the first time, too, is with some of the deep stuff we had. It made the Marvel Universe fun. Right. E- even Guardians was fun. The two Guardians films. Mm-hmm. It's there to break up that, that heaviness. But, you know. I, of the standalones, I, to me, Rogue One was is better than Solo. Not saying I don't like Solo. I love Solo. It's a great film. Yeah. I was excited for it. But Rogue One was, we heard, you know, we read it in the crawl. We saw it. It was great. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, it was great seeing, oh, this is what we've always read for 39, 40 years 38 to 40 years, we're finally seeing it play out. It's the video game I always wanted to play. It's why couldn't they have done just showing that battle as the opening to a new hope anyway? Well, we got it. So, but well, the interesting thing was um, just like Rogue One, Rogue One introduced us to a bunch of really cool characters. Yes. That we right. lost at the end of the movie. Well, <laughs> yeah. Solo did it a whole lot faster because um, Val oh, yeah. and Rio, two, they were, I loved Rio. Rio was a great character. Rio was awesome. Yeah. Five minutes he was in the movie. Yeah, he was yeah. good. <laughs> I, yeah, actually, I was a little disappointed that they killed him off so quick. I wanted more of him. Yeah. yeah. Well, all the it's interesting because most of the new characters that um, they introduced that they banked this movie on all this new crew and stuff. Most of them didn't even make it halfway through the movie. No. <laughs> L three made it three quarters of the way through the movie. Yeah. Well, she made it through the. She made it to okay. the end of the second act, really. Well, unless not she, even the end of it, because it was right before the Kessel Run. Yeah, well, considering we don't see the the Falcon after Lando leaves mm-hmm. at the very end, mm. but I mean, technically, L three is now part of the ship. Yeah, which actually Falcon. makes sense because that's more EU stuff being brought in because in um well we know that C3PO and I believe it was a new hope ta- or no in Empire Strikes Back tells um Han I don't know where your ship learned to talk but it's got a peculiar dialect. Yes. And oh then in right. Yeah. Han Solo last shot, the new book that just came out about Han and, Han and Lando, you get um you find out that the Falcon actually has three droid brains. Right. Well, L3 is one of them. Well, oh really? It was it was three. It was like that back in the uh in the EU stories as well. It was talked about. Because I want to say it's mm-hmm. talked about in the Millennium Falcon book. I have to reread that book again. I've not read that's that it. one. But that's actually something that was consistent back in the day, too. Because uh, if you read a lot of the post-Return of the Jedi books, for after a while, they start to talk about Luke's X-Wing. And how um, – now we find out that R2 has is so quirky and weird uh, – not weird, but quirky and um, it's got the little things that of his personality is because he's never had a memory wipe. Right. Right. Okay. 3PO has, but it's been a while. Well, Luke does the same thing with his X-Wing. He never wipes the memory on in the computer. So at, at a certain point, it won't work with anybody but Luke and R2 because it's starting to develop its own personality. <laughs> yeah. So it's like the, anything with the computers could actually uh, learn the AI. Yeah. It's, so it kind of makes sense putting L3 in there. Yeah. So um, 
So I guess let's go to the beginning, which the beginning takes place 13 years before the Battle of Yavin. Something like that. Did we ever get an actual time? I know yeah. it's somewhere right around 10 or so. Uh, from different sources I've seen, the, mo- the, the beef of the movie, the meat of the movie, takes place 10 years before Battle of Yavin. Okay. So that, so that I've puts heard that, that one run around too, yeah. So that puts the very beginning at 13 years since they come in, say, three years later. So you're only six to eight years after the end of the Clone Wars. Yes. Because it's approximately 20 years between episodes three and four. Yes. And we're, we don't have a hard, firm date on that. but And we're five to eight years before Rebels. So imagine. Because yeah, Rebels, is, is I think, starts 10 years or five years even before Yavin. So, so imagine when we see Lando in Rebels, that's five years after the end, roughly five years after the end of Solo. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Yes, it is. That was an interesting way to start open a Star Wars movie, too. And I like the way they did the opening crawl. Instead of an opening crawl, they just gave you a couple of quick blurbs on the screen of exactly what's going on yeah. on Relia. And that's all you need to know is what's happening on the planet you're on. Yeah. I, li- right, yeah. I like, too, how they incorporated the logo into the, the flyover as, as we're watching Ken choke up. Hey, that's what's nice about having a cough button. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> um, I told you I'm just getting over this um, cold. But I, I loved how they brought in the, the solo logo during the flyover of the the city and um on Corellia. Yeah. Mm. It was cool oh, yeah. just to see Corellia and see that um, yeah. this is a planet that basically the entire planet is a shipyard. Yeah. Everything it, on the world is used to build Star Destroyers. And I and yeah. I love how you look up and you see that literally shell the, mm-hmm. w- w- or the uncovered shell of a Star Destroyer up above in that one shot. <laughs> that was brilliant. I loved it. My tea got cold. Um, the so so we didn't get so we introduced to Han for the first time. Um, come find out he's hiding something from from Prox Proximia, Lady Lady Proxima, Lady Proxima, who voiced by um, I can't remember the actress's name, but she was uh, Hetty on NCIS Los Angeles. Oh, okay, Linda Hunt, Linda Hunt, and I thought she was great for that. As well, um, I love the that whole sequence. Now, what do you have for me? I got nothing because he's already pawned it off to to Kira. Yeah, well, it's interesting because in the opening crawl, they introduce this Lady Proxima character. So you think this is something that's going to go, and it's once again within ten minutes of the movie being started, she's already gone. Yeah, right. and she was actually named in the opening crawl. Well, or the opening narration. She she's not necessarily dead because she goes back no, into her yeah. tank. Yeah. But apparently is like a vampire and very ultraviolet sensitive. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of cool. So from there we go, they... The whole escape, and of course, he's got the hot, hot rotted or hot wired speeder. And I love how he's getting away from the one, one of Proxima's goons. And they go, Oh, yeah. And he tells Kira, Oh, yeah, we could, we could fit. Turns the speeder almost sideways and goes through this alley. Just like you've seen him do with the Falcon many, many times if you watch the movies. Yeah. Especially Empire Strikes Back. He does that all the time through the asteroids. Yeah. Just barely thin enough for the Falcon, but TIE Fighters, it's too wide, too thin. But gets stuck at the end. Mm-hmm. Almost he hasn't learned everything yet. Almost free and clear and gets stuck at the end. That, that I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, and that was a nice bit of uh, foreshadowing, too. Yeah, yeah. So they, they make it to the port to try and get off. Uh, you see them squirm, squeam, get through the lines. They get to the gate. They hand over the, the hyperfuel what little bit they go through and Han gets through as Kira's about to get through. She gets yanked and is gone. And now Han devastates Han. Han's got a new adventure. He's got to figure he's got to get off the planet and then figure out how to get back. And I thought it was funny when they're showing the promo video for joining the Imperial Academy. Uh-huh. You hear the Imperial March in the background. Yeah. yeah. We're a very stylized cool. version of it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's almost that um uh what we use on Weeby Geeks for the for the promo of the the um oh the bulleted from uh, bulletin music from Starship Troopers. They give yeah. it that type of feel with the Imperial March. And to well, it's me- not the first time that they, that this has happened in Star Wars either. Because um, there's remember in Rebels there was a bunch of Imperial propaganda videos that they did this very similar thing with. Yeah, and they used oh, the yeah. Imperial yeah. March with it. Right. Now. 
to me, the voice almost sounded like Ian McDermott a little bit because it's almost a variation of the, of the emperor's voice in that. I, I know I'm wrong, but that's what it almost sounded like first first impression to me. It may be. So, um, so th- from there, we see him join the academy. They ask him, well, what's your name? He goes, Han. Well, Han what? <laughs> Who are your people? That that part is awesome because um, you find out the Solo main is probably not his original last name. No. That part was interesting because it was it was borderline cheesy, but it actually ended up working. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, it, and we I think we talked about it too that uh, Han Solo is not his real name, and I think we were going, uh, you know, fearing what was it before Han Solo, or right now we just know it was Han. So kind of almost like Oliver Twist. What's your name, boy? Oliver. Well, here, what's your name? Han. Last name? Don't have one. Well, who are your people? Don't know. Mom, dad, dead. Yeah. So, uh, I, I'm alone. Hmm. Alone. Solo. That should get you by. <laughs> Away they go. Exactly. Now, I always assumed that there was a, a prison scene that he where we see him get locked into a prison. I don't remember seeing that exact shot in the movie. Is that where they're on, on my bond? Uh, no, no, no. It's, I don't know. I don't. Mimban, um, Mimban? I think it might have uh, something to do with. Um, no, that was, at, I think, in the very beginning when he was first going into Proxima's place. Okay. Because they opened the door and it's got the gate on it. Gotcha. I think. Okay. It could be. So uh, we we jump three years later and I'll let someone else talk for a few minutes. So it doesn't seem like it's just me. <laughs> well, we get to, um, we do get to Mimban, which is another one of our spoilers. Because Mimban is a planet that was first introduced way back in 77 or 78 with Splinter in the Mind's Eye from Alan Dean Foster, which I still got to read that book. But it's You've our first that? you brought it, bring in, huh? You've never no, read I've that No, I've never one? had it. Oh, no kidding. So I just, was, I need to pick it up and read it. That was the first Star Wars book I read. <laughs> ah, well, you got to remember, my first Star Wars book that I read wasn't until um, Heir to the Empire. It was one of the first ones I read, too. Yeah, so, um, I, but we find him. Huh? I think Derek and I might have some years on you, though. Two or three. That's about it, though. But um, we're at we're on the planet Mimban during the Empire's trying to um take over the planet. So it's a battle for Mimban, and Han is one of the foot soldiers. Last we had seen Han, he was going into the Imperial Flight Academy. Yeah. So what happened here? Well, we find that out in a little bit. But um, they're fighting, and then Han sees an officer who's acting a little strange, and um ends up finding out it's Beckett in disguise with Val. Um, and they're what exactly were they doing? They, they were, were they were scouting something. To, they were scouting oh, yeah, ships. The ship. They were like, yeah, they were going to steal the uh, AT um, hauler. Yeah, so which I might add, that was cool to see. Yeah, the AT hauler, yeah. I love that. So they're scouting out ships. Hans, like, wait a minute, you guys aren't acting like Imperials. So, uh, so he um, says, "Well, let me go with you guys. I'm a pilot." And Beckett's thinking, "Well, wait a minute." And Val's like, "We don't need him. We got, we got." And but Beckett's telling her straight, "We need a crew." So at this point, it looks like he doesn't have a full staff yet. No, it, it seems like he. I mean, even with the three, it seems like he he was still needing a couple more. Yeah. What do you got to think with what he had? He didn't have muscle. Right, really. Yeah. So uh, we, but they, they end up actually um, twisting it on and turning him Han in for um, planning to escape because everybody else sees Beckett, sees his uniform, thinks he's a captain. <laughs> How do you know I'm a captain? Because it's on your uniform. <laughs> yeah. So Han gets um, captured and he's getting thrown in. And now when they mentioned this, they brought they went to very similar to what Jabba has in his palace, looking at a grate into the floor. Did you guys think that was going to be a rancor? Yeah, briefly. They're talking about he hasn't been fed in three days and all this stuff. Yeah, I didn't think it was going to be a rancor, but I thought I it was gonna, I thought it was going to be something similar. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but smaller. Well, Han is thrown into this mud pit, and who comes out to eat him? Now, this is interesting because it's implied here that um, this creature eats people because they haven't fed him in a while, and they they throw prisoners in here. Well, so that's a new twist to this guy. If you haven't been fed in three days, you pretty much yeah. take what you can get. But we do see Chewbacca, a very muddy and beat down Chewbacca, which is something I never expected to ever see on screen. Um, 
especially knowing the history of how they've always wanted to protect that fur. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to get it wet. Didn't want to do this. Didn't want to do that. <laughs> well, it's then, made a little different now, so. True, but it's still quite, still quite interesting. Yeah. So, but Han and Chewie start to fight, and Han. Now, this part got a little silly, where Han starts speaking Shuriwook to Chewie. Yeah. So they can try to make a plan to get out. Yeah. Han speaking it was a little, little silly, but him on it was cool to show that he actually understands Shuriwook also. Yeah. Which makes you wonder so how he, how he learned it. Uh huh. Well. You know, growing up the way he did, I'm sure. Yeah. He had to deal with different types of different types of uh, aliens and stuff. So true. Who knows? True. Who knows? Mm-hmm. So they end up um, working together to escape, and no sooner do they escape than Beckett comes by again. And so as he's getting ready to take off his ship, they, Han and Chewie are like, come on, let's go. And Han being Han is like, um, I know these guys, Chewbacca, we're going to get, we're going to, they're going to take us and we're going to be gone. <laughs> Full of all that um, confidence that we know from Han Solo. Of course, they start to take off without him. Right. But eventually Beckett tells Val, well, we need the muscle more because it looks like he's basically, he's bringing Han and Chewie because they need Chewbacca's muscle. Makes sense. And it looks like a package deal. That gets him off Mimban and onto our third planet, which do we ever get a name for this one? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't here, think so. Let me so. look down. I'm looking through the Wikipedia here also. So um, let me see if they got Chewbacca. Also, um, we know that um, here in a minute we get to see the Cloud Riders show up with Emphis Nest. But it's another thing that during the movie, they never actually mentioned the name of the crew. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, it's been confirmed through the Lucasfilm and everybody else said it's the Cloud Riders. But um, just like um, everybody expects, this is one of the reasons that Chewie has the life debt to Han. That because Han saved him from the slavery here and got him out out of the pits but um it saved his life actually on the train and we'll get to that here in a minute but if you think nowhere in the movies or in any of the canon stuff so far have they ever set mentioned a life debt true in the original eu it was mentioned in a couple of books but that's all no way and then here they still don't talk about his life debt life debt was introduced in the eu wasn't it mentioned though in the in the original trilogy like in no in a new hope he's the co-pilot yeah i don't think it was no, Chewie's life debt, of the whole idea of a Wookiee life debt has never been mentioned in any of the movies or any of the canon novels or anything. Okay. Now, life debts have been talked about because in The Phantom Menace, the Gungans have life debts. Right. Which is the idea. They got the idea. Lucas got the idea more than likely because of all the stuff with Chewbacca. But they never actually put it anywhere in there, which is kind of interesting. But we go to mm. this planet and we find out that um, – and it's cool because – Val is telling Beckett, we don't need these guys. Why don't we hire actual mercenaries that know what they're doing? Right. And she name drops a couple. Now, the planet we're, ah, yes. the planet we're talking about, we're talking about where they were getting the uh, the convex-x, convex off the train, right? Yeah. Isn't that Vandor? Is that the name of the planet? I think so. Okay. Well, they're sitting around the fire, and um, Val actually name drops a couple of other bounty hunters we've actually heard of. She mentions who? Who else she mentions? She mentions Dengar, I think, is one of them. Bosk is another Bosk. one that she mentions. Yeah. There's a couple other guys that she mentions that are available out there that they could just hire them to bring them in. These are guys that are known quantities. We know what they're going to do. So it's cool because that brings it together a little bit that the underworld knows the underworld. Yeah. And um, but we see, and it's cool that Beckett actually strips down the sniper rifle looking thing and then tosses it to Han. And mm-hmm. it's his DL forty four blaster. Yeah. Yep. So it's cool to see that that actually that thing actually does convert up to an actual rifle. By the way, I have to say uh, I rather enjoyed Woody Harrelson as Beckett. Yeah. Harrelson. I enjoyed Harrison or Woody Harrelson in this film like I did enjoy him in the um, Hunger Games movies. Yeah, he's definitely moving into a um, a good like mentor type actor to bring in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he cool didn't. Go ahead. Oh, I will let you finish up. Oh, as I say, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't like take me out of the movie being, you know, Woody Harrelson. Right. Yeah, that's where I was going to go too. It was cool because it's like you see him and you see Woody Harrelson, but he plays a great character in it. So it doesn't, it's not like it takes away from anything. Yeah. Right. But we find they're planning a job. They have to, they're stealing, um, oh, what? It's hyperfuel, but it's actually called Convex. Um, coaxium, uh, Convex, coaxium. It's basically the stuff that um, no one can have because it's super expensive. Right. I, I thought was, I thought they were saying Convex. Let me look it up. Yeah, it says coaxium here, but that doesn't mean it's right. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Coaxium. Uh, what is Convex? Okay. Convex is, I think, the train. 
Ah, but we do find it now. This is still within what, maybe a half hour at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, oh, yeah. about forty-five minutes, and we're already at the train part, which we saw in the um, trailers. Made it look like that's the main part of the movie. Right. I was speaking about almost halfway point. Um, I need to put this plug in real quick. Check out Studio. Uh, they're a new sponsor to the show for for at least a month or for a couple months. Um, they've got some awesome Bluetooth and in-ear headsets for your mobile devices or even your computers that use Bluetooth. Great to sync up with them. Great quality sound. If you check out their website, studio, S-U-D-I-O dot com and enter the promo code Wookie at checkout, you can get 15% off your entire purchase. Again, that's at studio, S-U-D-I-O dot com. And yes, their name did come from a derivative of Susu Studio from Phil Collins. <laughs> So check them out. Uh, so we get to the point where they're on the, we're getting up to the, the convey X where they're getting the, mm-hmm. um, the fuel coaxium. I thought it was pretty cool how there's a bit of a struggle getting the car loose and then Rio gets shot because one of the range troopers happens to jump onto the ship. Yeah. yeah. Since there's the whole work platform underneath it, which was cool too. I, I thought it was cool how they come into the planet's atmosphere and they walk down to the, to the little work platform. Mm-hmm. And it's like, huh, air's kind of thin. You're breathing it quite well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's a dampening field still around the ship to protect protect the atmosphere. They're spacers. They're used to um, low atmosphere. But it was so cool how they came in and just kind of short jump onto the onto the train. Beckett goes, no problem. Mm-hmm. And then we come find out with the range troopers. Or no, it's um, well we we deal with the range troopers first. Then Emphis Nest comes along with the Ghost Rider or Cloud Riders. And they're trying to take Ghost it. Rider. Ghost Riders. Mm-hmm. Ghost Riders on the swoop bikes. Um, and then the battle we we see in the trailers, because it happened so quick, I thought it was Han and, and this person not knowing it was Emphis Nest. But it comes down to it's Beckett and Emphis Nest mm-hmm. that do this battle. Yeah, Han's a little busy. Yeah, come find out. He, he's got to jump back up on the ship and take over piloting controls for Rio, who would discover the shot he took. Oh, it's just a shoulder. I've been hitting the shoulder. It's okay. Ends up being fatal. Dude, he. I think um, Rio was one of my favorite new characters from this movie. Yeah, yeah I liked him. He was really yeah. cool. He's like a big forearm mo- or little forearm monkey. <laughs> um, but I think we need to um, ju- change up the way we're doing it a little bit. Else, we're going to run out of time, man. Yes. <laughs> Well, there's some awesome stuff going on because we've not even got to Lando yet. No, and I was going to say it's pretty cool uh, when we do get jump ahead to Lando because um, you know we'll come find out uh, Beckett's guy go talk to Voss and explain. Yeah, Beckett was actually hired by someone to do this to steal this stuff. Right. So, so when when it came down <laughs> to we have to explain why we don't have this because we promised so many so many tons or tons do they say or. There's something like that. Well, before you get to that real quick, there's something else that's part of Han's character that we learn here. Because we steal the um, coaxium, the the car, the train car that has it. The Cloud Riders have it on their cables. The um, Beckett's crew has it on their cables. They're fighting back and forth as they're heading towards a mountain. And Han, right before they hit the mountain, drops the load. Which right, we do yeah. hear, because you got to think of later, why is he in pr- trouble with uh, Jabba when we first meet him in episode four? Because he ejected a load of spice to get away. Right. So it's something that goes all the way back to here, that if he's in trouble enough, screw the load. We're My life's more important. We're moving away. Yeah. So yeah. it's it, everything in here it tells you little tweaks of stuff of where Han came from. Yep. So so going back to <laughs> or um, Dryden. So we, we deal with Dryden. Everyone goes up stairs back it says don't talk to anyone all of a sudden we see Kira's back on scene and yeah, uh, he, t- he tells him to keep his eyes down <laughs> it's like uh i know and, and you, you see how the whole thing plays out i know this person i'm talking to this person i'm gonna find out what's going on mm-hmm. and then come find out well Kara knows him knows beckett so all this plays out and Han talks his way. Also, into- also, real quick, the whole reason Han is out here doing this and working with Beckett is to get and what he's going to do with his share of the money is buy a ship to go back to Corellia and rescue Kira. Oh, right. Yeah. And then he gets onto Dryden Voss's ship and finds she's already there. Yep. Well, don't need to go back to Corellia. Yeah. So they've got to get a ship to try and do the Kessel, go get the fuel from Kessel. 
Mm-hmm. And so they go to uh, shoot. Well, we also get what our first clue here, though. Dryden Voss talks about there's people he answers to also in Crimson Dawn. He's yeah. not the top of the lick, the top of the right. pile. He, which yeah. um, he, he's the face this, of the organization, but he's not the top. Exactly. And what a face! And yes. Well, they also <laughs> well, you remember you would, this. All this Dryden Voss stuff was filmed after Ron Howard jumped in here. I don't think it was in the original script. Right. You, you because. Would, when we get to speculation at the end, I have some ideas. You would have that face, too, after having the the, uh, the Mind Stone ripped out of your forehead from Thanos yeah. as well. <laughs> I suppose so. Oh, wait. Same character. Okay, you would have that face, too, after whipping yourself for the suffering while being a monk? <laughs> that was in the back, though. Ah, oh, that's true, too. Never mind. Then. Who knows why he's got that face in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> but it was it, it it was cool seeing Paul Bettany in another franchise under the Disney umbrella. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this is not the only first time we've seen this for, the, for this even for this month. Yeah. Because we get Deadpool and um, Avengers both have um, what's his name um, Brolin. Brolin. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But you, but you know I, I I almost want to see Paul Bettany now in a Pixar movie as a voice actor and in a regular Disney animated movie as a voice actor. Yeah. Let's cover all three. Well, cover two more. Then I guess bring him into a a Muppet movie as well, <laughs> and then he could be the new John Ratzenberger, <laughs> who appears in every Pixar movie. Yeah. So well, we do. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, we do see here that um, during this meeting with Dryden Voss. Um, Han comes up with the whole idea of, hey, we have we still have to get you coaxium or else you basically it's the classic mobster thing. You owe me money. You owe me this uh, shipment. What are you going to do about this? Yeah. So Han comes up with the idea. Fine. Does it have to be actual refined ready to go coaxium? And they decide, you know what? We'll just go to Kessel where they mine the stuff and um, steal it before it goes through the refinery and get it refined and give it to you then. Yeah. So it's Han's idea the whole time. In Voss's right. o- office, did y'all catch a few of the, the nods to Indiana Jones in there? I like heard the, about it. I don't remember what it was. The, the idol. crystal skull. I didn't see the crystal skull. I caught the idol on How the table. How could you miss it? Because I don't think I was paying attention to that part. It was huge in the background. Well, you, you got the idol on the desk. You got the stones from uh, Temple of Doom. I think they were on the shelf behind them. And the, the Shankara stones? Yeah, and the and the grail was in there as well. Cool. So, I mean, <laughs> this movie not only, you know, with, with the nod to the backstory, was also a nod to Harrison quite a bit. Right. Yeah. Now, yeah. With other Lucasfilm movies he's done. Yeah, obviously Indiana Jones. But I digress. Um, well, well, sorry. <laughs> Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I was going to jump ahead to, they They talk about they need to get a ship and they know where to get one that'd be fast enough to get the unstable coaxium from Kessel. And that's where we go see Lando. Mm-hmm. And, and we see him play Sabacc. We see Han and Lando play against each other for the first time. And Han, Han has the unbeatable hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and Han, Until, Except for Lando having the one hand that beats it. Well, it's the one card that trumps any hand. That's the way mm-hmm. it came across. But we come find out it's that old Western poker player trick. Card is loaded in his sleeve. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which Han happens to catch briefly. It's how observant and how in tune he is to things. Um, as they're walking out, we see, well, we see the battle droids going at it. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, wait, where's that gonk droid? And then we finally see it, which it takes a KO. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, gonk <laughs> droid. And you did recognize the guy, um, the announcer for the, that uh, was doing the, sl- the droid battles, right? Good old Clint oh, Howard. Oh, yes. Well, this is where we get introduced to L3, who I almost want to say is almost like a, I, I don't mean it in, in a derogatory term, but almost like a millennial or very social justice warrior-esque type character. Yeah. Um, well, she's all about droid rights. Yes. They have. Parts. I mean, a lot of the little one-liners and little things she slips in there are great. They have parts, yeah. too. Um, so when Lando finally gets her out of the building as well, and they're talking about going to Kessel, she drops the comment, well, how are you going to do that? You, you couldn't get to Black Spire if it wasn't for me. And if you've paid attention to Disney stuff recently, it was announced at, um, Galactic Nights, uh, Sunday before Memorial Day, um, which was, you know, in celebration for the solo opening. Well, we know a Galaxy's Edge is going to be called Batu. It takes place on the planet of Batu. 
Well, the village is Black Spire Outpost. Very interesting. Yeah, I thought that was a nice nod, nice little Easter egg going to the parks. Because they've talked about how Batu would be referenced in books and in movies, but never seen. Black Spire will be referenced in books and movies, but never seen. Why? Because Disney wants you to visit that on your own. So you get to see Black Spire live when you come to the parks. That's why you'll never see it in the films. The only film you'll see it on is in Star Tours. So... So are they changing up Star Tours so that you get um, Black Spire or Black Spire is the um, destination of Star Tours? It's already in one of the new destinations is Batu going to Batu. Okay. Now it was also announced too that uh, a guest of the show, Mike Quinn, will be portraying Neem Num in one of the rides. Nice. That's really cool. So congrats to Mike on that. that. Actually, maybe that could be the um, Millennium Falcon ride. Could be. Depending on what time frame they put it in, uh, it's it's all. Oh, yeah. The time frame is going to be all new tr- new trilogy. Oh, for, okay. For for both because all the stormtroopers will be the first order troopers. Uh, yeah. The X wings are the so, new the newer X wings. Uh, it'll probably be a um, X wing ride then because he's an X wing pilot s- at that point. I suppose that makes sense. Unless it still ties in with uh, the Falcon ride. You know what if it what if it is you got to leave and go help with with some mission go help Black Squadron with some mission. Yeah. So who knows more? I'm sure we'll get more details as that gets closer. But still, to have that nod in the movie was was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed that. Uh, so we're going to jump ahead to the Kessel Run. And they go to Kessel. And Derek, you want to take over? So we jumped ahead 12 parsecs? <laughs> well, it was supposed to be 20. No, more like 15 to 20. It was supposed yeah. to be 20. <laughs> Most most uh, most trips through the Kessel Run are about twenty parsecs. Uh, so they go to Kessel and they infiltrate the mine that has the what was it coaxium? Coaxium. Yeah, yeah. Which that was an interesting uh, scene. Um, they they sneak in. Um, there was a, there was a moment there. Another nod to a. <laughs> Where uh, Kira goes in with the head of the mine and takes him out with uh, a little, a little, uh, a little fighting style called Terras Kasi. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Which is awesome. Yes. Yeah. Did you Even guys though, catch who's yeah. actually running the mines there? No. Uh, no. It's the Pike Syndicate, which we've seen in the Clone Wars and in Rebels, but we've I don't think we've ever seen it on screen. Huh. Yeah, I guess you're right. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, remember, yeah. that's why Dryden Voss could not go there because the Pikes and Crimson Dawn have an alliance, or don't have an alliance, but they have an agreement. Right. So this they- had to be an independent mission. Yeah. Interesting. That's right. Yeah. Um. So we'll just I'll just make this real quick. So they break the, you know, they sneak in. Uh, Han dresses up as one of the guards they, to get a, a shipment of the coaxium. Um, and we also see Beckett um, dress up as Kira's guard in a costume that is kind of familiar uh, that was seen previously, or I guess technically it would be afterwards, by Lando Calrissian in Jabba's palace. Yeah. The uh, the guard costume he wore. That was cool. Yep. And what I also liked is they didn't make a big deal out of it. It just, you know, he just came out and you were, you know, of course we were all like, yeah, oh, guys. But well, uh, they it, didn't, it, like. Well, it's like when he was coming up with this guys and he throws the helmet down on the, it's like, really? Is he? Yeah. <laughs> but they never actually, you know, made a big deal of where that came from or anything like that. It was just, it was just there. It was just part of the story. So that was cool. Um, and then, so, of course, at one point, uh, Chewie, Chewie and Han, who are trying to get into the, the mine, Chewie, they come across a group of Wookiees that are being abused by a couple of guards. So, of course, Chewie goes in to rescue them uh, with Han's blessing. That's and, interesting. Uh, you notice how, like, um, how much those Wookiees, kind of, especially the one they show a lot of, he looks kind of like a um, deformed Bigfoot or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was so going. That was sorry. I was going to go back to uh, when Lando first meets Tobias. He dropped a net. There was another great Easter egg drop there. Because you're Tobias Beckett. You killed Aurora Singh. Oh, yeah. Aurora Singh. Yeah. Aurora Singh. And Beckett replies, pushed her. I'm pretty sure the fall killed her. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that was a good line. That's interesting though, because last time we saw it, wasn't she? Wasn't Boba Fett with her? Yep. Oh yeah. And, they didn't, and he Bosk. didn't have the slave one, but yeah, Bosk and Boba Fett were on her crew. Well, she had the slave one. No, I thought someone else did. No, she had it. Because remember, hot, no, because remember, their crew was heading to go get it back. Last time we saw it in Clone Wars, if I remember correctly, well, they, that was they when did they were leaving it. to go get it back from Cad Bane or someone. They did, I don't remember who they had did it. get it back in the Clone Wars. They had it at, at they successfully got it back. Oh, OK. Is that it was Fat, Bosk, Singh and uh, one or two others, maybe M- Embo, Embryo. No, Embo. Embo. Yeah, you got it right. But Lando also mentions, too, that he owed her owed her a lot of money. So. Um. Yeah. So I was gonna say that uh, that kind of odd-looking Wookiee uh, was played by Anthony Daniels. No, 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 no. I thought so too when I first read. No, Anthony Daniels plays um uh plays a, a human con artist or something. That's being that's uh I believe it was at the very beginning of the. Let me look it up again. Oh, really? I think he yeah. was in the slave pits um also, but it's like a human con artist. Huh. Where did I hear that? The Wikipedia, the way they wrote it down, it looks like he played one of the Wookiees, but it's not. Uh, I stand corrected then. Well, I'm sitting, so I sit corrected. (laughs) Um, So anyway, so of course, you know, things start going wrong. Of course, uh, with with the uh, the heist. So, in one of the best scenes by L three, I'd have to say, she uh, (laughs) she starts freeing droids. She frees a droid, takes off his restraining bolt, and tells the droid to go and free their friends and and basically start a whole uh, droid revolt that acts as a distraction. And uh, little astromech unit. After she, um, it's great. After she goes and um, takes his uh, restraining bolt off. He, he, you can see he kind of asks her, well, what do I do next? She's like, I don't uh, know. Yeah, Go yeah. for your friends or something. Just as an offhanded thing and uh, without knowing it starts the droid revolution. Yeah. And uh, this is also the part where as they're escaping, uh, L3 gets blasted pretty bad, pretty severely. Yeah. Um, well, before this, there, there's the implication that she and Lando have a love affair, or Lando has a love affair, has a love interest in her. Oh yeah, that was, oh, that she, was yeah, that was back in the um on the way to or they yeah. even landed, yeah. While they're in hyperspace, and that whole that whole section between her and uh, Kira was cool too. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, um, yeah. So of course, so they get they get ready to leave and. Uh, that led to another kind of interesting scene where where the Wookiees they rescued were going one way and Han and the group were going another way. So Chewbacca had to make a decision about which way he was going to go. And uh, he ended up going with his life debt and uh, left with Solo and the crew. Yep. And, yeah, they freed uh, the other Wookiees and then he continued with Han. Yep. That was uh, that was also a good scene. Uh, I thought well, you could see you could see Chewbacca kind of torn on what he should do for a minute there, and then that was pretty cool. Yeah. So then, of course, they leave, uh, and uh, they have to exit the exit castle. And uh, in an interesting twist, the uh, the Empire is outside waiting for them in a, a star destroyer, mm-hmm. uh, apparently tipped off by the droid revolt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they knew something was um, going wrong there. They're yeah. they're accepting the Pike Syndicate's controlling it just because th- that makes it easier for them as long as they're the ones getting the fuel. Yes, and uh, yeah, exactly. And so they have to find an alternate route out of the um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like a maw, yeah. or it's like yeah. a giant nebula yeah, the, almost. Yeah, the maw. Yeah. Um. So that is where they ended up plugging L three into the Falcon, as we talked about earlier. And, yeah, because uh, she has a um, she's a great navigator. Yeah. So she plots a way out, uh, and they come across the giant creature that you see in the trailer with the tentacles and everything. Yeah, that was uh, cool. 
Yeah, but, that was cool. But it was almost like you, you almost figured that was coming because they also did that in Empire with the asteroid worm. Right, yeah. And, of course, in Phantom Menace with that whole sequence going from Gundam to, to Naboo. Right, to Naboo yeah. City. Yeah, but that wasn't in space. That was actually all in the planet. That was in the planet core. Yeah. But we do see it all throughout the uh, animated stuff also. You get the Purgles, the space whale things. Yeah. Right, yeah. So Star Wars has the thing of the, there's plenty of species that live in vacuum. Yeah, <laughs> which is pretty interesting. Eh, why not, right? Oh. Um, yeah, so, of course, they almost get sucked into the Maw, and uh, the creature is actually not... They thought the creature was the Maw, but it's actually not. Um, and so they go through a scene where they're trying to escape the creature, and they're getting sucked into the Maw. And what's interesting is, so... Beckett ends up taking a they figure out that they can take a drop of the coaxial coaxium coaxium and yeah it's that's going to take me almost as long to get used to as it took me to get used to Alden Ehrenreich (laughs) (laughs) Um, and he took so he took a drop of that and he put it into the Falcon which gave them a short boost of power that helped them escape and then that is how the legend of Han making the Kessel Run in 12 Parsecs came about, although technically he did not do it by himself. Well, the interesting – well, if you remember in the movie, he never says he made the Kessel Run. He said you'd never heard of the Millennium Falcon. That's it's right. the ship yep. that made the Kessel Run in 12 Parsecs. That is true. Everybody misremembers it and says Han says I made the Kessel Run. Right. He never says yep. that. That's right, yeah. But um, so, what's cool is they actually explain because one of the biggest gripes that it seems like people have always said is a parsec is a dis- unit of distance, not a unit of time. In a, in a race, why would it matter how much distance you did? Well, in this, the um, if you'd done the path that he had to take, or that everybody had to take because no one can navigate through the nebula type area, then it would have taken him 20 or more parsecs and they would not have had enough time right. to actually get the coaxium refined before it blew up. Right. He had to go through the um, unexplored areas and it took him 12 parsecs because it got him out of there faster and got him to get to, um, to the refinery faster. Right. But he had to go through the cloud, the the, mm-hmm. the storms and stuff, the nebula. Exactly, he cut at least eight parsecs off of his journey. So a parsec right. in Star Wars is a unit of time. No, it's a unit of um, distance. Use, yeah, it is a distance because he made it a shorter trip, distance-wise. Instead of going around right. about the safe route, he went through the dangerous route, which was more of a straight line. Because the, tw- the safe route is twenty parsecs. Yeah, at least, and it was blocked by a star destroyer. Right, so he had to take a right. shortcut, and that mm-hmm. was twelve parsecs, which he keeps, which he is what he makes a big deal about. Yeah, and, and he does do a move in there that he learned from a guy that died doing the move. Yes, yeah, <laughs> and that's also, I believe, was that where he used the tr- yeah the trick that he tried to do with the speeder. Yes, earlier in the movie because he said he mm-hmm. learned it from a street race from his street racer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So yeah, they did a really all... good job of stuff that they set up early and actually paying off later. Yeah, and then I like when they when they finally land on the planet that they're <laughs> that they're going to deliver the uh, the fuel to. You, you call that a landing? <laughs> and he's like, well, he's talking. He's talking to one of the guys unloading the fuel. And he's like, I made the Kessel Run in twelve parsecs, and the guy's like. Doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. And Chewie, Chewie um, says, wait, wait, wait. And Han's like, well, more or less. Yeah. Yeah. He said, he said, uh, if you round up. Yeah. Or down. Or round down. Or down. Round down. Round down. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of the things that's a little different from a Star Wars movie, most Star Wars movies, though, because that was your huge action scene was the Kessel Run. And that's the end of Act Two. Right, this is one yeah. of the reasons I'm thinking this whole third act was rewritten a little bit when yeah. Ron Howard took over. Yeah, probably. Because it's flipped a little bit from what we normally get from Star Wars. Star Wars, usually you get your big space battle and all that stuff happens at the very end of the movie. Right. Here they put it at the end of the second half, second part. Yeah. So um, and that's why I'm thinking uh, on some of the – well, we got we get the speculation. Remember, we got to do speculation later. I'm trying to jump ahead. Well, actually, we don't have much time left. Ah, well – um, well, that's that's the end of the major action parts of this. The rest of this, they go, they get the coaxium refined, they um, and then Enfys Ness and the Cloud Riders show up. And you find out that they're not actually a gang as much 
is they're really um, refugees. Well, and it, we do. Right, yeah. And, and almost like Hera and Ezra and, and the ghost crew on Lothal, they're they're a, a rebellion cell. Mm-hmm. Well, the interesting thing is this actually um, nods. This gives a little touch to Rogue One here because she talks about how, how if you give that um, coaxium to Dryden Voss, he's going to sell it back to the Empire and the Empire is stripping these planets of all of their um, mining everything they can out of these planets, destroying worlds to get to to pull their resources. Now, if you know Star Wars, you know why they're stripping the resources from every planet they can, because all of that is going into the Death Star project. Yep. Because well, at this point, they're about halfway through building the Death Star. Did, did y'all catch too going back briefly to um, when they were talking about where to get the coaxium? They mentioned you could get it from Scarif. Yes. Yeah, but they didn't want to have to deal with the Empire directly. Correct. Right. So uh, there's plenty of Easter eggs going to everything. But uh, afterwards, or um, they do come up with a plan and said, and Han realizes, wait a minute, these guys are right. We can't give this to Dryden Voss. But he comes up with a plan anyway. But before he does, um, after they find out about this stuff with Emphis Ness, Beckett decides to walk away. Yeah. He's like, you know what? Forget it. I'm not going to help do this. Mm-hmm. Which, um, and it, the, he does give Han final advice, and he's been telling Han the whole time, or he even mentioned earlier that um, don't trust anybody, then you won't be disappointed. Yeah. Which was major foreshadowing for later, because Han and Chewie do take the um, coaxium to Dryden Voss, and they're about to um, turn on him and double cross him when Beckett walks in the room and has already told Voss everything that's going to go on. So Beckett crossed or double cross Han. This is after Lando right. has taken off with the Falcon. Yeah. So yeah. everybody <laughs> has left Han on his own now. Well, he is solo. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, yes. But we do get, um, we end up fighting over the Coaxium. Dryden Voss gets killed by Kira. Yeah. And um, and Beckett takes off. So Han goes off after Beckett, and Kira is left there to clean up. And we get the draw, jaw drop moment of this entire movie. Now, like I said, everything up to the end of the Kessel Run was stuff we knew what happened. We didn't know the details. Right. Right. There was no surprises on the actual Han's journey. But we get to this part here, and um, Kira has to call the boss of Crimson Dawn. To tell him that Voss is dead, they don't have the hyperfuel and all this stuff. And a hologram pops up. And what? Who? What was your first reaction before you do? Before they revealed who it actually was, who did you think she was talking to? Well, when I saw the the hologram first pop up, I recognized the feet right away. Okay. They're like, oh She's crap, first, it's small. Well, I first thought thing was, I thought. Well, go ahead. I thought it was the emperor at first. That's where I thought too. I thought she Crimson Dawn would have been working for the emperor. Because Emphis right. Ness had been talking about the Emperor and the Empire. But then you find out, no, it's Darth Maul. And remember, at the end of Clone Wars, Maul, um, the Emperor had defeated Darth Maul after Maul had tried to put together these criminal empires. But he told him, I'm not going to kill you because I have a job for you. Right. And that never got picked up anywhere. You notice that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's never been embellished on. That. I mean, even in the comic books that came after where he, quote unquote, escapes from Imperial custody. Right. <clears throat> What what's the chances all of that was set up for where he's going here? He's actually running Crimson Dawn as a um, black ops, basically for the Empire, but no one but him knows. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, um, and also uh, I mentioned earlier that the question I asked on Rebel Force Radio: um, What's the chances that um, moving forward now Kira is now um, basically taking Dryden Voss's spot, working with Maul? Well, right. what's the chances that either Ryan Johnson or the Game of Thrones guys trilogies of movies, both of them have at least three movies each, right? So that's two trilogies out there. What if one of those is the Crimson Dawn trilogy? Because Ryan Johnson mm-hmm. said he's taking a new characters in a direction that we've never gone in the star Wars universe, but that was before this movie was written. So what, what's the chances that his, um, the outline for his trilogy, um, they looked at it and said, wait a minute, we can set this up with solo. And that's where some of these reshoots came in this whole third act with all that stuff there added in. Plus the Dryden Voss talking about being a boss for crimson Dawn was added in because of Ryan Johnson's movies coming. Hmm. Could be basically doing a Marvel post credit scene during the picture. <laughs> yeah. Using a scene in the movie to set up what's coming ahead if we get a chance. Because um, we do get to Han and Chewie, or Han um, shoots first and drops Beckett. Yeah. Yes, Han shot first this time. 
Yep. It was very clear. Uh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And uh, we do get, uh, we then the next scene after that, we do get Han and Chewie meeting up with Lando. And when he, and you get the reverse of the Cloud City scene at the very beginning. Where it comes in, it looks all upset, then gives a big hug, all that stuff. Well, it's the reverse, except at this time it's Han acting all upset and stuff. But when he hugs Lando, he palms the card from Lando's sleeve. So that when they do the same game again, and Lando goes to pull the card so he can win no matter what, the card's not there, and he loses the Falcon. So the end of the movie, Han wins the Falcon. They fly, and Han and Chewie do the requisite flying into the sunset. But we find out that they're, um, Beckett had told them that there's a big time smuggler on, um, or big time gangster on Tatooine that's putting together a crew. So we see Han and Chewie are going to Tatooine. So it has nothing to do with Crimson Dawn. That's all huts. We know that for a fact. Right. They're going to meet up with Jabba the Hutt. And for the next 10 years, they're going to be flying missions for Jabba. At some point, they're going to get in um, bad with Jabba over a spice trip that, he, that they dumped. Yeah. So that's where theirs go. And there's going to be there could be a couple of great movies in there working with Jabba. So all the setups for Crimson Dawn have to go have to go in a different direction at some point, because the only characters left alive at the end of this is Kira, Han, Chewie, and Lando. All the rest of the characters that were introduced in here are gone. And if it was except for Emphasis and the Cloud Riders, and they could jump in and out anytime you want. Right. That's a rebel cell, like you said. They're the start of a rebel cell, similar to the Ghost Crew. Yeah. So, what do you guys think? My my ideas hold water a little bit, maybe a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely going back to the Maul thing. I'm just curious how how Kira fits in with Maul because initially I was wondering. Does she turn into a Sith Inquisitor? But she doesn't seem no, right. No, 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 no. Maul is not a Sith at this point. Right. Remember, he's turned his back on the Sith. Right. He's a Dark Force user. And but this is before he actually um, falls to the point where we see him in Rebels. Right. When we get to him in Rebels, he's very, very much the um, a beat down, a broken Maul. Right. At this yeah. point, it looks like he's not. So something in the next five years happens to turn him into what we see at Rebels. Yeah. Which would be awesome to see in this trilogy of movies from Ryan Johnson or from I don't remember their names, but the Game of Thrones guys. Yeah. So, but now it'd be curious to see. It definitely, to me, felt like there could be a second solo movie. Yeah. So going yeah, back definitely. to the interview that I played with in the beginning from uh, with Jimmy Mack, maybe I was predicting a more than one solo film. Yeah. So, um, unfortunately, well, let's hope that those plans don't end up changing after you know. I don't think so, because in the first week, they didn't quite make their production budget back, but they will over the next couple of weeks. Well, it's already made uh, it's already made um, 200 million worldwide. Yeah, it didn't go as well as they expected, but it's still a good and um, even I looked at Rotten Tomatoes and the critic review and the critics on Rotten Tomatoes hate this type of movie. Yeah. And um, it's got a 71 percent critic review, which is pretty good for a sci fi film of this style on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, really? This deal is getting worse all the time. Easy yeah. now. <laughs> so, and I think if people will give this a, after, um, if they'll give it a shot and watch, they'll, I think that a lot of people will enjoy this more than they thought they would. Yeah. Well, on that note, um, we had a great story. I was going to talk about Bosk and potential spinoff movie he'll have. I'm going to definitely say that was Derek's story. We're going to discuss that. That's going to be the first one of the first stories we talk about next week. <laughs> so um, overall, solo, love it, hate it, like it. Eh. I really liked it. It was one of the it was the most fun I've had in, in a movie for a while. I mean, I, it was just a fun ride the whole way through, which is, like I said, is not a problem at all. That's what these movies were supposed to be. Go have a good time, eat some popcorn and then go home and move on with your life. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I came out of the theater with a big smile on my face. I was happy with it. So I am almost close to saying it's almost top five for me. Um, I hate making those lists. Yeah, I know. Me too. <laughs> but, but you know, Zoe said it would have been a lot better if there was a porg in it. I'm like, yeah, I know you <laughs> would. So if that doesn't surprise you, but she really enjoyed it as well. Well, if see what that, you could have said. If that what you could have said was, well, Chewie was hungry. So, <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, um, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, and uh, until next week, give the evacuation code signal. I can hold it. Pull out! No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost our 